0: Bird bomb, 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 b morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Welcome to North Point. If you're here in person or online, we want to welcome you. We're excited that you guys are here. Um, Guys, so many good things are happening right now. I'm just so excited. Hopefully, you were able to be here last week for our Vision Weekend, where we talked about lots of uh, amazing things that are happening. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to uh, go back and take a watch and or a listen of that message because that's what's sort of setting the, the stage for what's coming uh, over the next six months to a year and where we're going as a church. Um, by the way, one of the things we're really excited about is our Kerman multi-site launch on Easter weekend. If you guys could be praying for that. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's gonna be an amazing thing. Um, If you just take a look at this, I reminded you of this last week, that there are five purposes of the church or five functions of the church. And one of those is mission, that God's called us to be on a mission. And so we really want to go and tell and be people that send. The more things you plant, the more people will be reached, the more people will grow. And so we want to be a part of that. Now, you may be here and you may live near Kerman. Or you may be saying, you know, I want to be a part of that to go reach some new people in a community that we've not been in before. If that's you, I want to invite you to be a part of our Kerman congregation. Commit to a year of attending out there. That'd be great. I mean, the the benefit is twofold. Number one, you're a part of a congregation that's growing and beginning. Uh, That is North Point. But at the same time, you're freeing up chairs for people here in Fresno. I mean, it really is a win-win kind of thing. We just want you to be a part of us. Now, If you'd like to do that, I want to encourage you to be thinking on it, but February 26th here in the worship center at 9 a.m. we're going to have breakfast, and it's our Kerman Launch Info Meeting. So right here, 9 a.m. for breakfast, February the 26th. And then I also mentioned last week that we were going to be headed into lots of different parts of the world and uh, going on mission to five different locations. Take a look at the map. Uh, We're going to Mexico in the fall of 2022, Kenya, Kenya. Uh, June of late June of 2022 Russia July of 2022 India uh, October 2022 and then we're going to even do heavy uh, serious missions work in the Caribbean if you can believe that Um, Barbuda the summer fall 2022 If you're interested in any of these global trips, I would encourage you, March 5th in the worship center, there's another informational meeting, breakfast provided. So you want to get involved in peace, and this is a part of our global peace plan where we're going out. It's an amazing thing. Now, hey, also want to draw your attention to other things that are going on. There is a new... A new piece of literature that we're producing for you every weekend, it's called North Point Now. And uh, you're going to get this every week, which will tell you things that are going on in the church. There's also www.northpoint.org slash now. We always describe what we're doing by our five purposes, the things that we're made for. And I'd encourage you to take a look at this and just figure out how you can be involved, ways you want to connect. One of the things I just highlight to you is... uh, a women's event that is coming up, a special women's event called The Gathering. Our last gathering, we had about 900 women for. It was amazing. It is a great place to meet people. It's a great place to be encouraged and to grow. So ladies, get ready, February 25th, uh, 7 p.m. for The Gathering. And then today... I uh, wanted to mention to you we have our core classes directly following this service. I would invite all of you to join me for lunch. Hey, I think it would be an amazing problem if so many people came for lunch. I had to order, like, Little Caesars pizza. That would be awesome. And uh, some of you would get the good stuff. Others would get Little Caesars pizza. But that's okay. That's a good problem to have. And uh, Or we'll go get Taco Bell or something. But you come on me. I'll buy your lunch. North Point will do it. And, uh... And our core classes, Core 101, is all about what it means to belong to a church family, what does it mean to be a part of a member of a church. I teach that. I'd love to get to know you. Join us for 101. It's okay if you haven't signed up. Childcare. We have childcare. Um, And then 201 is all about maturing and growing in your faith. 301 is all about ministry and serving others. And 401 is all about mission. If you're wondering what makes North Point tick, start in our core classes That's the place to begin. Hey, also want to mention to you, I actually forgot to mention it at our last service, but I will mention it to you. Last week on Vision Weekend, you passed our budget by a 99% yes vote. So thank you for that, and let's hear it for yourselves. That was pretty amazing. And thank you for your giving commitments. You guys know Uh, Our giving money doesn't come from the clouds, it comes from the crowds of people that are saying, I want to advance the kingdom of God, and I want to make a difference, and so we're excited about that. Now, we are launching a series of messages today that we're calling Screen Time, and I want to talk to you about how do you grow as a disciple in a digital world, and as we begin, I want you to pull out two things. Pull out your message notes, everybody grab these, and now pull out your phone. Would you do that? Pull out your message notes and reach in that purse or reach in your pocket and grab that phone. Everybody hold up your phone. Come on. Hold it up. Let's wave it in the air. Let's do the concert thing. There we go. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. There you go. Good. Nice job. All right. You got both of these things. One hand, you've got a mobile phone or a smartphone. The other hand, you've got notes. Now, I want you to look at your smartphone first. Everybody look at it. Don't answer it. Don't call anybody. But if you have a a smartphone, I want to say to you, you now hold in your hand more power than NASA had when they put a man on the moon. Did you know that? Let me show you what the first hard drive looked like. Got a picture of it right here. The very first hard drive ever created was right here, IBM. Look at that. That was it. Do you know how much storage that held? Five megabytes. Five megabytes of storage. You can see it wasn't very portable. It took two men several thousand pounds for five megabytes. Here's another picture of it. This guy right here pointing out the very first hard drive. If you'd go to this next picture for me. There he is. And in fact, I love what somebody on the internet did. He, they did a little caption next to it. If you just take a look at the caption, I got a kick out of it. it said, when this baby gets warmed up, it can store up to eight photos, you know. <laughs> now, in your phone right now that you're holding in your hand, even if you've got a cheapy phone, you have a minimum of a 1,000 times that power. Most of us have about 10,000 times that power put in the palm of your hand. You have no idea how much power you have in your pocket. Listen to me. This little device is the most behavior-changing invention in the history of mankind. It really is. Nothing else even comes close. Not the wheel, not fire. (laughs) Think of the inventions. Not the steam engine. Not the car, bless Henry Ford, but not the automobile. Nothing comes close to the power of these. Why? Well, because if you compare this to a car, what can you do with a car? A car, maybe you could do 10 things with it. But you can do thousands of things with this. If you, if you can and you want it to direct you to the right place, you can do that with GPS. It becomes a travel device. You could listen to music or watch movies, obviously entertainment. You can check your heart. You could know your heart rate while you're at the gym with this little device. It will do all sorts of studies on your body. I could write and prepare sermons. Sermonins, sermons. Sermonins. That's the Greek for sermons. I could write sermons on this. And then deliver them. I could auto-dictate. I could speak to it. Hey Siri. What time is it? It's 11:37 a.m. It's 11:37 a.m. Listen, when they decided to put a computer in a phone, it absolutely changed everything. And and by the way, speaking of computers, while there are hundreds of thousands, even millions of computers, people own a computer in the world, there are billions of people that own these. Now, let me tell you what the danger is. There is a danger with this. Write this down. This is the teaching of the day, and that is this. Endless appetite added to endless access is a recipe for what the Bible calls gluttony. Let me say that again. If you have an endless appetite and you're, giving, and you're given something that has endless access, that is a recipe for what the Bible calls what? Gluttony. Gluttony. By the way, how many of you understand the sentiment of this picture right here? Take a look. Everybody get what that's trying to say? Now, that really is the current state of some families or this next one. These have become such distracting little devices because here's the thing, guys. When this came out, it changed our daily habits. It changed our social patterns. It has literally changed our life. I mean, when you see people walking, this is what you see. People's hairlines today are memorized because they're looking down. We don't live in the same world that we used to. Do you guys remember there used to be a day when you actually listened to your phone? Remember what phones looked like? Remember you used to get caught in the cord as you were walking around the kitchen and you'd sort of get tangled up? Some of you were like, cords, what are you talking about, cords? Now today you don't listen to your phone. Today you look at your phones. Look at that, you just do this. In fact, I'm taking a picture of you guys right now. Ready to be famous? Here we go. Right on Facebook later today. Guys, this has changed everything. Just take a look at these images, for example, you saw see images of people just sitting around waiting or you know, how many of you have seen a picture like this before? Or these ladies. Everybody's got their head down today. This is what we look like when we're driving, for example. Trying to get to work. You see people, or here's one of people going to work. Now, this is a really interesting photo. I I put this picture up because there was a story that came out in the San Francisco news. These guys were going to work on a train, and a guy walked in and pulled out a gun, and nobody noticed because they were all on their phone. So he put the gun back in his pocket. Then a few minutes later, he pulls out a gun again. Nobody notices. Nobody pays attention. So he puts the gun back in his pocket. He pulls it out again. He pulls it out a third time. Nobody's paying attention. Finally, the guy puts the phone in his pocket, and he gave up, and he walked out. Because we're distracted by these little guys. Let me give you one more picture. This is a picture of family in the 21st century at at mealtime. Is that right? Family fellowship today. Guys, here's my point. Endless access... Endless use. Guys, admit it. You even use this in the bathroom. Am I right? Come on, show of hands. How many of you have used this in the bathroom? We don't have pictures. Don't worry. It's fine. Now, the latest statistic that I checked was that people check their phone on average 12 minutes a day. Every 12 minutes, you pick up your phone and you check it. Do you know what that is? That is 80 times a day. 80 times a day for the average person. Now, again, it brings up the point. Let me say it again if you haven't written it down. Endless what? Appetite plus endless is a recipe for gluttony. And here is the danger. Gluttony will always lead a human being to what the Bible calls idolatry. Gluttony leads you to idolatry. And that's always true, by the way. Why does the writer write? When you sit to dine with a king, note well what is put before you, And put a knife to your throat if you were given to gluttony. What does that mean? It means, well, if you're sitting down to eat with a king, that means you have quite a spread, don't you? You're not just sitting with anybody, but you have access to all the food you want. Why? Because he's a ruler, because he's a king. But if you sit down to dine with a king where you have endless access, the writer says, better that you put a knife to your throat than to be given over to everything. Don't crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Don't join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. What is it saying? It's saying, listen to me, too much of anything will ultimately leave you dependent on that thing. Watch out. In fact, here's the way I'd put it. If you would just write this down when we talk about idolatry. Anything in your life that doesn't have a boundary is really an idol. Write that down. Anything in your life that doesn't have a boundary is an idol. See, this is why Jesus looked at the very first Christ followers and he said something fascinating. You've probably read this before. Notice he says, If anyone would come after me, let him do what? And take up his cross daily and follow me. Interesting. What's he talking about? He's saying if you're gonna be a disciple, an important aspect of that is you must have areas of your life where you do what? Deny yourself. Now, unfortunately, in American Christianity today, there are lots of churches that teach, well, to become a Christian means that God should just bless you in every way. You should never have to be hungry. You should never have to deny yourself. You should have all that you need. God will meet all your needs. God is here to bless you. Baloney. To be a Christ follower means... I put myself in a position where I will have to set some boundaries or some limitations. Why? Because he says, for whoever would save his life, notice down here, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. Listen. He says, what does it profit you if you have endless access? What if you could inherit the whole world, but it forfeits your soul? What would you give for your soul, Jesus is saying. See, now listen to me, friends. Jesus understood this truth, and I want for you to get this. Jesus understood that life without a boundary is ultimately a life that will fall apart. And I have seen as a pastor over the last 25 to 30 years, lots and lots of lives fall apart. Because they did not have boundaries. They did not set on themselves limitations. Why? Well, let's press this for a minute, particularly as it relates to screen time, because this is an important thing. Humanity has never faced this before. So, what are some of the dangers of too much screen time? I'll write these down, let's go through them quick. First of all, there is the danger of what I'd call distraction. The danger or hazard of distraction. Now, if you're the average human being, you're going to live 27,375 days. That is the average number that human beings live on this planet. Let me say it again, 27,375 days. Now, here's something shocking. If you're here today and you're over 27 years of age, you've already passed 10,000 days. They're behind you. And you only have so many left. Guys, listen to me. There are lots of things that you can get more of. But what you can never get more of is time. Time keeps clicking away. There's more gone now. And then now. And then now. And you will never get it back. See, this is why the writer says carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Notice, let's just underline this part. It says, so be what? Careful how you live. Circle the word careful. What does it mean? Well, it's the opposite of careful is careless. <laughs> Don't be careless with your time. Put care into what you do. Be watchful. Come on, be intentional. Come on, be Purposeful. Turn to somebody and say, be purposeful. It means you're deliberate. It means you know where you're going. Now, listen, listen to me, guys. If you look at a screen, if you're an average person and you look at a screen 80 times a day, do you know what that amounts to? It amounts to 3.4 hours a day. Do you know what that amounts to? It amounts to 24 hours a week. Now, do you know what that means? That means that by the time you've lived your life, that 27,000 days and change, you will have spent 11 solid years looking at a screen. That doesn't include watching TV, and that doesn't include video games. By the way, since COVID, this has gone, guess where? Up. Notice the Bible says, now this is a pretty interesting thing, because the Bible... Makes some points about how we ought to live our life and notice this next scripture paul's writing to a little church in corinth and he says now now i know what you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that i'm allowed to do anything it's not a sin what's wrong with looking at my phone what's wrong with spending time i understand that but paul says but not everything is helpful or beneficial a thing may be permissible but not everything is constructive or encourages what Now, what's he saying? It's a biblical principle. He's saying some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just unnecessary. For example, it's not a sin for you to spend five hours a day watching cute little kitten videos. Right? It's not evil. But is that the best use of your time? Is that worth giving your life for? Are you going to spend 11 years of your life looking at these? Just a second. Yeah. Oh, hey, honey. Sorry, just one second. Yeah, yeah, I'll get the bread. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got it. I am good looking. So are you. I love you, sweetheart. All right, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Now, let me just tell you guys something. If you will pick up a phone... Anytime, anywhere, if you will pick up a phone and you will allow your phone to interrupt you, then I'm just going to say this to you. This thing has become your God. It's God. And who owns the phone? Do you own it? Or does it own you? Who is the master and who is the slave? Which is the tool... And which is the owner? See, there's that danger of distraction, and then there's also the danger of or the hazard of temptation. Why? Because the world is constantly shouting at you and me through something called the internet. When Al Gore invented the internet, I'm just kidding. The world is shouting at you through this thing. And here's the thing. You carry it around with you in your pocket. What are you carrying around in your pocket? You're carrying around the world's values about passion, about possession, about position. You carry around in your pocket what the world tells you about sex, what the world tells you about salary and status. It's all here all the time in your pocket. Do you guys remember those, those cartoons where there was an angel on your shoulder and a little devil on your shoulder, and they were each telling you which way to go? I'm going to tell you, if that were done today, you don't need a devil, you just need a phone. And it's always in your pocket. And here's what I'm saying to you. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Wherever your eyes look, you will inevitably go where? Where? you will go toward it. So this is why the writer of wisdom says, do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Be very, very careful. And you start thinking as you're tempted by things, well, everybody's doing this, so it must be okay. My goodness, everybody's playing wordly today, so I should play wordly today. By the way, today's word is skill. I just gave it to you and blew it for you, didn't I? Spoiler alert. Get off your device. I just made it easy for you. Watch out for that. Let me give you the final danger, and that is this. Write this down. It's the uh, hazard of neglect. The hazard of neglect. Now, what do you neglect? Well, first and foremost, you neglect the Lord. Specifically, you neglect time with the Lord. See, here's why. If the average American spends 3.4 hours a day looking at this, I'm just going to ask you, how much time with Jesus are you spending each day? Guys, there is something totally out of whack here with behavior. 3.4 hours here, I don't know anybody that's spending 3.4 hours a day with Jesus the Christ. And I'm telling you, it shows up in your lifestyle. It shows up in the things that you're doing. I wonder why people I wonder why their lives are falling apart. I'm going to tell you. It's because you don't spend any time with God. You don't spend any time with Jesus. You know, it's interesting. have all these people that, you know, they want to come over and they want to pastor. Will you tell, I got some stuff to talk to you about. I'm going through some really hard stuff. And you will come to a short little bald guy that knows nothing (laughs) and give me two hours of your life, but you won't spend two hours with the counselor of counselors. Hours and hours on social media. Hours and hours looking at the wisdom of the world. But we can't make time for Jesus. Guys, that that is a problem. So what are we to do? Well, let's talk about health. Because we can't just take a phone to these things and say they don't exist. So what are some things you and I can do to maybe be a bit healthier with our lives? Write these things down. Number one, be aware of what you're gazing at. Be mindful. Be mindful. You know, one of my heroes was a guy by the name of William Temple, and he said something interesting. He said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Now, I want you to think about that. He said, your religion is what you do in your quiet time. In other words, when you have time, when you don't have time to, you know, usually you don't have time to think about anything else, but when you have time to think about something, what do you think about? What do you comfort yourself with? Where do your thoughts go most effortlessly? Now, he said, whatever that is, that's your God. That's called worship, proportion, craving. Your religion is what you do with your what? Solitude. So what I'm saying to you is, learn how to take some of your solitude and give that to whom it should go to. Who should it go to? God. Spend time in worship. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. By the way, by the way, do you know who wrote the very first scriptures, actually wrote them? You know how powerful it is that we have the writing of scripture. Guess who coined the very first? Any guesses? It was God Himself when He inscribed the commandments to Moses with His own finger. And then He looked at people and He said, Now you go write this down. Go write this down. Take note on what you hear. Write this down. And the same words that spoke the universe in existence, God saw fit to put in writing so that you could read them. You don't think they have power? You don't think these words won't change your life? This is not just a book. It is a living book. It'll change your life. People say, you know, why do you feel like you have to defend the Bible? I don't have to defend the Bible. I'll just let the Bible out of its cage like a lion. It'll take care of itself. Because his word is alive. And it makes a difference. But are you spending time in it? Let me tell you something else that Temple said. Again, one of my heroes, he said, when you worship God, he said, don't you see what worship is? He said, worship is the submission of our very nature to God. It's the quickening of our conscience by his holiness. It's the nourishment of the mind with his truth. It's the purifying of the imagination with his beauty and the opening of the heart to his love. It is the surrender of the will to his purpose and you need to give yourself daily time where you do this. And when you take your time and you give it to God and gaze at Him through worship and prayer and the Word, come on, guys, notice what it says. Set your heart on what path? The right path. And that'll affect what you're doing, and that'll affect what you're experiencing. No wonder culture is so confused. My son, he says, give me your heart. Let your eyes keep my ways, he says. Where your eyes go, is that important? Sure, Jesus said it this way. He said, the eye is the lens of your body or the lamp of your body. He says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And what you find is, the more that you gaze on him, the Lord, here's what'll happen. If you do what I'm saying to do, guys, trust me, you will fall in love with him. And the more that that happens, that you fall in love with Jesus Christ, you're going to develop a hunger for Jesus Christ. And then there's a motivating hunger that drives you want to spend more time with him. And then there's something in your soul that sets alarm bells if you don't spend time with him. I mean, I invite you guys, I invite, I, 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 6 a.m. in the morning, I get up and spend the first part of my day with Jesus. Now, Why do I do it early in the morning? Because why not give God the first part? Why do you want to give God the leftovers? Give God the first of everything. Give God the first of your money. Give God the first of your time. Give God the first of your talent. Give God the first of your energy. The thing that you're giving first to is God. So I'm saying make God God. So I'll get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and I've invited all of you, hey, join me at 6 a.m., do you know why? Because discipleship isn't done in a classroom. We have classes, they help. But you know how discipleship is done? It's done by watching people and being with people and walking with people. And I've just said as your pastor, hey, two days a week I'll show up at the church and do quiet time with you if you don't know how to do it. Why? I'm gonna do it anyway. Why not do it in community with others? And what happens is, what happens is when you start spending daily time with Jesus you start to want to spend daily time with Jesus. Now, when I spend time with Jesus, can I just share with you how I do it? In case you never come to Tuesday, Thursday, early morning prayer. First thing I do, I wake up in the morning and I put on some music. Now, that's very important. I want to get some worship going, kind of like this. Would you, yeah, roll that for me. I'll, I'll just put it on and I'll be making my coffee, you know? And the reason I'm making my coffee is because, you know, coffee and Jesus go so good together. You guys know it. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm a little grumbly. I'm not happy, but I'm making my coffee and oh, oh without you, oh, I'm falling coffee. I'm falling apart. <laughs> you know? Oh, thank you for the reminder. You're the one that drives my heart. You know, and I'm pouring the water and I'm making my coffee and and then I'll I'll go to the kitchen table while it's brewing and I'll sit down. I'll just say, oh Lord, just pray. You just speak to me. And I open my Bible, and I go through a Bible reading plan, and I just, I just say, God, now speak to my heart. Teach me. And you know when I start to read the Bible, and he does, he starts to speak to me through the Bible. And as he speaks to me, I speak to him. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, oh, that's so good. Thank you, Jay. And I start talking to him, you know. And then we have quiet time together, and now we're having a relationship. Oh, It's amazing. See, so many people, it's like when they go to quiet time, it's like they talk, 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 talk and then they read, 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 read. There's no relationship. No. No, you've got to get with the Lord. In fact, boost this music up just a minute. Because every once in a while, I'll just lean back, God speak into my heart, and I'll just lean back, I'll just start worshiping. Let's sing it. Come on. Hi. Every hour I need. Come on! I want defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need to teach my soul to rise. I'm gonna tell you: you want to have a good day. You start your day this way. I'm teaching you how to do it. And you just, Jesus is your friend. My God, my Savior, my treasure, my friend. What are you gazing at? Now, let me give you a couple quick things as it relates to this. Thank you for doing that. Here's a couple quick tips I'll give you, especially as it relates to your smart device or your phone. First of all, write this down. Eliminate the mindless screen time. You know, those of you that are lulling yourself to sleep with Facebook, just cut it out. Put your phone away. How about read your Bible? How about start the day with the Lord and end the day with the Lord? How about you start the day saying, good morning, Lord. Not good, Lord, it's morning. (laughs) But you start the day, good morning, Lord. And then when you go to bed, you kiss Jesus goodnight and you get in his word. And you dig in. Or how about when you get up in the morning, you don't check your latest social media posts. We're going to talk about that in future weeks. Go, how many likes did I get? As if life were all about you eliminate mindless screen time. If you don't have a point for using it, why use it? Better for you to have a knife to your throat than being given over to gluttony. No, notice. Put it down. It says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in what kind of deeds. Meaning there's no value. They're worthless. So be careful how you live. Guys, you're living your life. Did you know that? And did you know it doesn't have to be an accident? Did you know that things don't just have to happen to you, you can happen them? You can actually be intentional with how you're living your life. Boy, that's freedom. Start eliminating those reflexive habits. Why? Because you don't want to live like a fool, but like those who are wise, it says, making the most of every opportunity, it says, in these evil days. So that's the first thing I'd say. Watch what you're gazing at. Here's the second thing. Write the second point down. Change your self-talk. Change what you're telling yourself. Oh, did I not say this one yet? Oh, thank you. You guys are on it. Okay, so do this too. Take a weekly (laughs) Sabbath. Just put it away. Just put it away. I'd encourage you, by the way, to do this on Sunday. Just say, I'm gonna put my device away today. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you think I can't do without my phone? What if people want to get a hold of me? I'm just going to tell you, you're not that important. <laughs> Believe me, if they need to reach you, they'll reach you. But put it away. I think it's hilarious, you know. I see people in movie theaters because I like to go to the movies, you know. And, and I see people in movie theaters and they can't put their phone down. They're constantly on it. You can't go two hours. What are you, a brain surgeon? Seriously. Now, here, here's the second thing I was getting to, so let me get to it is, got to check your self-talk. Write that down. you got to change it. Now, here's why. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And if you're like most people, the moment someone tells you what to do, what happens? Urgh. Urgh, your resistance kicks in. You know, Pastor Shane told me I can't be on my phone 3.4 hours a day. I'm gonna be on it five hours a day. Don't you tell me what to do. At home, you know, your wife comments on how much you use your phone. You're like, I'm gonna use it even more (laughs) than... Let me tell you what that attitude is right now. That attitude is called your sin nature. That's your ego I'm gonna tell you something. Only your ego will keep you from God. That's not the kind of attitude that God wants you to have. Do you know what you should do? If somebody's telling you the right thing and they're saying, look, you should do this and you have an attitude, don't tell me what to do. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna tell you, it's not godly because it's not humility. (laughs) It's not humility. What did Jesus say? You want biblical backing for this? Let's take a look at it. Jesus was talking to the most oppressed people that have ever lived in the world, the Jewish people, and he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Doesn't matter if you deserve it. Doesn't matter if you think they're right. Doesn't matter. Give them the other. He said, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now notice, what he's saying is, yeah, you're being forced to do something, but don't say, I'm not gonna do it because I'm being forced. Say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give you more than you ask for. You take the power back, but you're still a servant. You take the power back, but you're still humble. Yeah, the government's saying do this, but I'm gonna choose to do this with even more humility and more graciousness. What does he say? If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them how many miles? Two miles. Change your self talk. By the way, this is how alcoholics get over alcohol. The whole time the alcoholic is saying I can't drink, I can't drink, man, I I wanna drink, I can't drink, they don't get over their alcohol. But the moment their mind starts to change and they say I'm not a drinker, I do not drink, I choose not to, that's when life will begin to change for that person. It's just how it works. Number three, write this down, how do you get healthy? Commit to three redeeming disciplines. Now, I want to go over these really quickly, because I don't want to keep you here as long as I did last week, and everybody said, amen. Let me give you three quick disciplines. Discipline number one that you need to practice is something that I call, that the Bible calls repentance. Now, repentance means to change the way that you think about things, because the way you think about things has an effect on what you do. There's a scripture that I passed over in your notes a few moments ago. Here it is. It talks about repentance. It says, but let God do what? Transform you into a new who? This is what baptism is all about, symbolic of being transformed into a new person. But how does that happen? By repentance. I've changed my mind and therefore, because I've changed my mind, I will change my action. Now, the reason I call this a discipline is because that is a hard thing to do. Because you know what you have to do? You have to admit you're wrong. You have to admit you are not going the right way. You have to admit you're a screw-up. The only thing keeping you from God is your ego. And God says, you got to change the way you think. You got to evaluate yourself. You got to check yourself. Yeah, that's going to create cognitive dissonance. You're not going to like it. Do it anyway. And of course, repentance will lead to the discipline of confession. Write that down. And that is to consciously just admit to yourself and to others what's really going on. Why should you do that? (laughs) Well, Ephesians says it. We read it. Notice, he read it during worship. He said, for once you were full of what? But now you have light. does what? What does light do? And it exposes things, doesn't it? Yeah, it overcomes darkness, but it shows you what's really there. Well, you're walking in the light. You're showing people what's really there. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you guys, those of you that have been in a small group with me, know I have no problem you knowing the sin issues in my life. I have no problem telling you I'm an idiot. I have no problem telling you I I struggle with um, uh, wrong sexual desires. I have struggled with physical cravings and addictions. I have have a past that was destructive with infidelity and all sorts of things that I tell people in small groups. Now, why don't I care that you know that? Because if God already knows, what do I care what you think? I don't care what you think about me. I live for an audience of one. And I'm covered by his grace. And do you... Do you know... Do you know that everybody thinks that if they just confess to God that, oh, it'll all be okay? No, 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 listen. Everybody confesses to God, but their lives are still falling apart you need to not just to confess to God, you need to confess to people. Why? Because that's where it gets real. Everybody says, oh God, I'm humble before you. Yeah, no duh, he's God. Everybody's humble before God. That's not saying very much. But are you humble before other people? Now that's the truth. Are you living in the light? James says, confess your sins to each other to each other. And then if you do that, you pray for each other so that you can find what? Healing. That's where healing's found. It's it's in confessing to each other and praying over each other. I've messed up. I'm a screw up. You guys know there's nothing you could say that would shock me because I know myself. And I'm only gonna respond to you in grace because I know myself. There's no reason I should judge you. I'm a bigger idiot than you. You need to confess to each other real humility, true surrender, authentic vulnerability. And what happens is repentance leads to the discipline of confession where you're confessing to one another and that leads to the discipline of accountability that happens in true relationship and vulnerability where you learn to bring the best out of each other. Because you get tired of telling somebody, man, I did it again, I did it again. Let's keep praying, man, you're gonna get this. Eventually, that starts to work as long as you stop hiding. Some of you, you're addicted to this. We're gonna talk about that in future weeks and you need to confess it to somebody. So, what was number one? Let's review. Be aware of what you're gazing at. Number two, change your self-talk. Number three, Commit to three redeeming disciplines. If you want greater health in your life, finally, let me close with this point, then we'll be done. This is a biggie. This is my favorite point. Write this down. You need to learn how to be ravished with Jesus. You need to learn how to be ravished with Jesus. Now, I use the word ravished on purpose because a lot of the stuff I've said today feels negative, doesn't it? I'm telling you, hey, stay away from this. Don't look at it. Turn your mind away. Don't think about it. You know, uh, get accountability, but I'm going to tell you, the negative things I've said will not be enough. In fact, I don't have this in your notes, but there's this great scripture that's really balanced and healthy. It's Hebrews chapter 12. Notice what it says. It says first in Hebrews, let us run the race before us, and it tells us to cast off every sin and every weight that entangles us. Now, it does say that. There are things that are negative. You need to cast them off. But it can't stop there. No, no, no. It does say that, but it can't stop there because it also says, come on, let us fix our eyes on the pioneer and the... Let me just illustrate with this in closing. There was a guy by the name of Thomas Chalmers. He's also one of my heroes. This is a picture of him. Isn't he a good-looking guy? (laughs) Now, he was a Scotsman. He was a pastor. He was also a statesman, and he lived in Edinburgh. And he was really upset with the poverty in the city that he lived. He worked with these people, and here's what he found. He found that many of these people had life-dominating habits. They couldn't get over their habits. As a result, he wrote a fascinating chapter. It was actually a sermon And you can get it on Amazon today. I'd encourage you to get it. But I want to just read you the title. The title of it was, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Interesting. That's an interesting title. Let's say it together. Ready, everybody? The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. What he's saying is, and it's in the title, He's saying the only way that you can ever release the soul from the power of a beautiful object is you have to give the soul a more beautiful object. There's no way that you can simply just say to your soul or your mind, well, just turn away from that thing that you've grown to like or you've grown to be addicted to. Just stop it. Just, no, no. He says that's impossible. He says the only way to break the power of a beautiful object is you've got to give it a more beautiful object. Do you see? This is the way you overcome addiction. You've got to learn to be in love with Jesus Christ. You've got to learn to fall in love with the Lord. This is why the great poet back in the 1700s, John Donne, he put it this way. This is so good. He said, he was praying to God and he said, take me to you, Jesus. Imprison me. For I, except you enthrall me, shall never be free nor ever chaste. Except that you, what's the word? There's the word. Except that you, what's he saying? John Donne. Interesting. What an interesting thing to say. I'm giving you all this old English. (laughs) It's almost risque, isn't it? It's it's so weird. What are you saying? He's saying, look, God, Jesus, if you don't imprison me, I'm going to be imprisoned by something else. Jesus, if you don't ravish me, I'm going to be ravished by something else. Take me to you, imprison me, for I accept you, enthrall me. I'm never going to be free. I need you. That's the heart of change. Jesus is the beautiful thing that you have to seek. Jesus, you are our beautiful thing. Pray this with me. Jesus, You are my beautiful thing. Help me to fall in love with you. And expel those other things that compete for you. Make me right with you. Forgive me of my sin. You are the beautiful thing of my life my new affection, in Jesus' name. Look up at me for just a minute. Now, when you mean that with your heart and you begin to spend time with Jesus, it has expulsive power. And all of a sudden, I'm gonna close with this scripture, you begin to say like the psalmist, Jesus is so important. So the psalmist would say, Jesus, God, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. (laughs) I'd rather be with you than anywhere I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell, not swell, (laughs) in the tents of the wicked. Wow. I pray you could say that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ and you'd like to, I just want to say he loves you. You could know him. If you want to pray with somebody, you can go to our lounge to my left. They'd love to pray with you. Please pray with them. Let us know on your connection card you're committing your life to Jesus Christ today. We'd love that. Um, the important thing is that you know Jesus Christ and that you walk with him. Father, bless these. Be their encouragement, and their strength, and their hope. We give you the praise for them in Jesus' name.